Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 74. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm thrilled to have Helen McLaughlin on the show. She is a curiosity coach, and in the last two years, she's gone from having a nine to five job as an executive assistant to being a coach, getting married, and living full time on the road. I wanted to talk to her about what it's like finding a foundation while living a life that is constantly in motion. I know you're just going to love hearing her answer. Before we get to the interview with Helen, I wanted to check in and share a little bit about some of the joy that I got to experience in this last week. I uh, took my son on a whirlwind trip down to Disneyland. So we live in Northern California. And using miles, (laughs) we flew down to LA, well, Anaheim for two days and spent two amazing sunny days before the big storm hit in Los Angeles on Friday. And it just was a really lovely time. And I felt super lucky to be able to go and have those days with him. He's six. And so it was really special because it was the first time he got to ride some of the bigger kid rides and he grew up loving Cars was his favorite movie. So seeing him get to ride on Radiator Springs Racers was so special, and I have to say the highlight uh, of special things having to do with Disney for me was getting to meet Chewbacca (laughs) over in Tomorrowland, because of course they are now building Star Wars land, and uh, they have Chewie there, and there was also Darth Vader, but we did not visit him, so... But it was just a really lovely trip and a lot of fun to be able to spend some very special time with my favorite (laughs) six-year-old. And yes, we got back just in time, just ahead of the big storm. So I want to say welcome to everyone and thank you so much for listening. Um, It means a lot to me that all of you tune in and listen to Jumpstart Your Joy each week. If you want to listen to the show notes for this episode or for, or find out more about the show, you can go to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And the show notes for this are at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 74. Uh, if you feel like you want to subscribe, awesome. Thank you. And you can, you can find the show on most of the big spots. So iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, if you just search for Jumpstart Your Joy and hit the subscription button. Um, You can have the episodes automatically downloaded to your device each week on Tuesday morning when they come out, all bright and shiny and new. Yeah, and and leave a review if you're over there. I'd love to hear from you guys. That is wonderful, and I deeply appreciated it. So if you want to find out more about the show, like I said, jumpstartyourjoy.com. Episode 72 is the short code to find the show notes here, but while you're on the site, you can also register for my free e-course, which is Joy Plus You Unleashed, and it's all about reacquainting yourself with the joy in, in your life, so rediscovering what brings you joy and bringing more of that into your day-to-day life. 
There is a sign-up form for that free mini course right on the homepage. You'll see a picture of a puppy wearing a hat because that's joyful. (laughs) Put your name, your email address, and you'll be all set to go. While you're on the site, too, you can find past episodes, all 73 of them, and nearly eight years of blog posts (laughs) that I've written that help you find and reacquaint yourself with joy in your life. This week's topic, as you guys know, February has been Foundation Month here on the show, uh, and I get to talk to Helen McLaughlin this week. She and I have known each other for a couple years now, and she took to the road with her husband about 18 months ago. I was fascinated by the idea of being constantly in motion. It seemed like a really interesting way to live, being always on the road. Her husband's job takes him to a new consulting location every couple of months. And I loved the glimpses that Helen gave us for her own life in her weekly newsletter. She started the newsletter about the same time that I started the podcast. So it's been super fun to see how each of us has grown and changed and how we've really taken to these two different mediums. So of writing for the newsletter and then for interviewing and talking on the podcast. I feel really lucky to have her on as a guest during this month, where I'm talking all about foundations, as finding a foundation while somebody's moving every couple months seemed like a really interesting and difficult thing to do. So Helen shares a lot about the journey and the little routines that she has that helps create touchstones for her days. It's interesting looking back at this discussion to think that there are so many things that anchor us to our lives in and those lives that are in a specific place like a home or an apartment or wherever you live and how we also have routines that are dependent on objects that we own like sitting on the couch watching the tv like the, we have all of these routines and foundations that are built around specific things and I really love that Helen has used her own natural curiosity about the world and coupled that with a rhythm and pattern for her days, along with her her just love of connecting with people to create stability and a foundation that then is becomes independent of things or places. And I think you're just going to love what she has to share about foundation while you're in motion. So here's the discussion with Helen. So welcome to the podcast today. I am so excited to have my friend and colleague, Helen McLaughlin, on with me. Welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you so much, Paula. It's good to be talking to you. I know. I'm so excited to have you here. So let's kick it off with the the always favorite first question of, why don't you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? Oh, boy. What I loved the most as a as a child, hmm. I loved the the act of creating booklets. I loved the process of making places for stories to live. But when I was really young, I didn't I didn't yet know that it was a you know that I wanted to become a writer or that I wanted writing to be a big part of my life. But as early as like five years old, I was hard at work in my kindergarten classroom finding books. Like I made little booklets for myself (laughs) and occasionally they get filled with something that resembles a story, you know, in picture form. But I was really focused on creating like a space for the stories to live. And yeah, that was, that was definitely a favorite thing as a child. And what was the second part of that question? Yeah. What were your earliest sparks of joy? 
I would say that I've always been a very sensitive person. I've come to realize that I'm actually a highly sensitive person, which was really illuminating once I had a phrase to describe how I felt. And so as a child, I was very emotionally affected by things. And, you know, as a child, when you have so little control over, over basically everything in your environment, it can be really hard to feel super emotional about everything. But I did find a ton of joy and yeah, I guess a, a ton of joy with my family. I've always had a really, a really good relationship with my parents and my older brother. And as a really young child, I was pretty, I don't know. I really didn't, I didn't venture too much outside of my family. I mean, I had school friends and I had cousins I grew up with and, but I found a lot of joy in being at home with, with my immediate family. And yeah, I, it's, that's a surprising answer for me to just have given right then. Cause I, I, I think that, I think that it's, it's interesting because I don't know that I would have described myself as a, as a joyful child. And so in thinking about like, where, what was my earliest spark of joy? It probably wasn't in childhood. <laughs> you know, I think I, yeah. I felt a lot of comfort and safety with my family, but, and there was joy there for sure. I had, I had a great family dynamic, but I think, I think that once I was able to take care of myself more independently, I was able to drive at 16. Mm-hmm. I'd say that that's when like joy started to really factor in the freedom part, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. And I think there is a different kind of joy when you're what able to explore your environment and your world on your own, because yeah, there's a lot of guidance and love filled guidance for sure. But like with families, it's yeah, maybe an adventuresome person and a curious person like you, I can see that like then exploring beyond that, the comfort piece is maybe what really lit you up. I could see that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even before, you know, like now that I think of it, my mom has told me this story of when I was a, a, a really young child and, you know, I could sit up though and she would put me into, I don't even know that they make them anymore because they're really unsafe. <laughs> Those walkers, like yeah. I think now they make the exercisers, but like then there were, you know, the walkers that you could sit your kid in and they could take off like Fred Flintstone in the car, you know? <laughs> And my mom has, has told me time and time again that that, like, I was born needing to drive myself, you know, like, to, to yeah. get myself from A to B and to explore on my own terms. And so even when I couldn't walk, it's like, you give me a set of wheels and I'm, I'm going to explore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and I love this because... The next question I was even going to ask, like, it's such a beautiful tie-in, is around, like, (laughs) curiosity is at the heart of what you do as a coach. And I don't know if you want to talk about what that means and what that crossroads is for you or explain what it is that you do for the audience. I think this is such a great tie-through. Yeah. Yeah. So curiosity sort of pulled me in at the beginning of my journey toward becoming a coach. And it, Mm -hmm. it, it drew me in because you know, at the same time that I was studying coaching and in coaching training, I was also exploring the country and I was saying goodbye to, you know, a traditional nine to five job and to an apartment and to a community. And I was getting into a motorhome with my then boyfriend 
and we were going to explore the country. And it was going, you know, we were, we're, it's not like a situation of being independently wealthy and just being able to, you know, fly by the seat of our pants. We were, we were moving around the country based on his work schedule. Mm-hmm. But the curiosity thing came into play for me early on because I was really, again, since childhood, been somebody who has struggled with the quote right way to do things, you know, and, and less of a best practice sort of thing and more of just like believing that there's some singular, singular way of, you know, some protocol you're supposed to follow to become, to become the thing or whatever. And, and it's funny because I've continued to gravitate toward careers where there really isn't a set blueprint, you know, as a writer, there's like, there's not really a formula for how to be a good writer, how to become a writer. You sort of, it's a lot different than say becoming a doctor and going to medical school and then going for a residency. And then, you know, and coaching is similar too. And so I found myself coming up against that, that same feeling that I'd had, you know, growing up, believing that there was a right way to do things. And I was feeling a ton of resistance because, well, I think internally I, I was realizing that I either wasn't finding the right way or that whatever the right way was, was, you know, was not the way that I was going to operate most successfully. So I just decided to take, to make up a, a, a reframe and to sort of just shift my mindset to what other ways are there to look at this? Like I'm, I'm on a journey, a physical journey, and I'm on, on this journey of, of figuring out how I want to help people. Why not just explore this thing? Like reframe it as an experiment, reframe it as something where I don't know what the right way is. I don't know what the outcome will be but I'm going to have a lot of fun trying and trying things and, and seeing what comes up. And when I tweak this, what happens over here and kind of treating it like data collection, you know, and there's really nothing invested in the outcome. It's more about the process of searching than it is about, you know, the the things that result. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm scribbling fast and furious. Yes. Okay. I love so much of what you've said right there about really opening yourself up to the possibility of it being an experiment. Because as a okay self-professed type A personality, I really like to feel like there's a right way or there's a process that I could follow. And if I just knew this one thing, maybe that would make everything easier. So I don't know. What do you feel like happens when you say or when you put on the lens of it being this thing is an experiment or this portion of my life, let's approach it as an experiment. What opened up for you in that? Yeah, I think I like had to let go of expectations then. And I also, it just, it opened me up to the fact that that there was not going to be a right answer. And that, that that it it became really freeing, you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this thing is going to stick. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what the right way is to present myself or to, that, that there was no right answer. You know, it, it, it became, it became like a multiple choice question instead of, you know, a, a short answer. And it became like any of the choices in the multiple choice could fly because nobody had the rubric. Nobody, you know, like it, it really just opened it up. And I think it also helped me to sort of turn my focus from striving and achieving over to like seeking. It's like my verb changed and it loosened. It, it was a looser verb. Seeking is like, 
there's excitement there for me. There's, there's a not knowing that is not a panicked not knowing, you know, it's, it's a not knowing that like anything is possible, not knowing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was so different for me from the striving, the achieving, the working hard, the trying hard, you know, all those sorts of ways of operating that just like sound really not fun. It became more playful. You know, everything I was doing became more playful and experimental. And I felt like I could be the lead scientist in this experiment that I was running. And if I treated every day as an experiment, then it was just a matter of playing with variables, trying a new thing, documenting it, reporting back, asking questions, you know, and that there's something really nice about about being transparent about that and saying, I'm, I'm really just in an asking questions place right now. I'm not looking to give, to have answers and draw conclusions, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I love that so much. I mean, I really love the phrase of that. My verb changed like, <laughs> both mm. from like, you know, I, I, like an English language perspective, but also like what that does just even for, I want to say like a soul, your soul or like your being to say, I, there isn't a strive. It's no longer about the goal or the climb, but it's about this space here and now. Like it feels like that immediately kind of snaps you into the present if you can accept seeking and curiosity as your verb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It it does. It 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 becomes like becomes more childlike too. You know. And and I think that for me, I'd say I was a curious child, but like I said, I I think that I I did have a uh, pretty strong sense from from an early age that there was a right way that I, you know, I was the, the, I don't know if I'd say I was type A, but I was definitely like, like a perfectionist. I was definitely a kid who, you know, would, if my handwriting wasn't, wasn't like up to snuff, you know, in second grade, I would wear a hole in the paper erasing it, you know, like I was really rigid and it was, it was, wasn't fun. You know, there wasn't, so when I say childlike, I don't necessarily mean Helen's childlike experience or Helen's experience of childhood, because I think I was a pretty, I don't think that I had a ton of, a ton of fun within myself as a kid. And I think that some of what I'm doing now is rediscovering, or in some cases, discovering for the first time, a lot of the joy that is possible when I take a lighter approach to learning when I take a lighter approach to business, when I take, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it becomes a, a lot more fun. Yeah, I can see. And I understand what you're saying, especially because, I mean, it sounds like it's infusing or see, here's where I'm backtracking. <laughs> like It feels like what you're really exploring is creating this foundation of curiosity, which is, is fascinating to me. You know, because I think when people think about the word foundation, it feels like that should be set. Like that that verb would be something like set and solid. And, you know, mm. I guess I'm sounding like something old and sturdy. But that a foundation could also be a space of curiosity and of of welcoming whatever is next and anticipation of joy. You know, I, that, that seems like really juicy and cool to me. Because <laughs> like, it yeah. keeps building on itself instead of it just being set and then you build on it. Yeah. And maybe that's what a foundation, a foundation for somebody who's still in the headspace of finding the right way, you know, the right way to live life, the right partner, the right job, whatever. That's kind of, that's a different kind of, it's like looking for an external 
things that you can build a foundation out of instead of being open to what's possible and asking a ton of questions and challenging anything that, that resembles a fact, you know, because I think we often think certain things are facts and they're actually not facts. And those are kind of all those, the false foundations, really, you know, the things we perceive to be facts. I think there's a lot, a lot of strength in having a questioning spirit. And I think it sounds on the surface like it would be uncertainty if you're asking a lot of questions, but really I think it's a strength, you know, I think it actually is a, a solid place to, to, to begin from yeah. because you're not attached to an outcome. And I think that gives, that, that adds a lot of strength when you're much more flexible than rigid. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I like that a lot because then the foundation is one that can move in a world that is always changing instead of it feeling like everything is set in, in place and yes. that you be exactly. in the world instead of it you feeling like you're constantly beating up against, I don't know, an expectation that things won't change when in fact they always do change. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly mm, this it. is good stuff. Yeah. And I like that the mm-hmm. like joy is amused is very similar. I mean, at least I've found it's like joy is very mobile and, you know, there's a lot of motility or something in there that's built in. So if I'm looking for joy in every moment, kind of like if you're looking to be curious about your situation in every moment, there's more room for possibility instead of just being frustrated that something isn't how you might expect it to be. Exactly. Um, mm, this is good stuff. Okay. So <laughs> how does curiosity fit into either your coaching business or what you do with clients? Like how does that come into play when you start to look at building a business? Yeah. So I think on the front end, the building the business part or the creating clients, you know, having conversations with people and building relationships that might eventually turn into a client relationship. I think the the curiosity piece pops in because it helps me to figure out who I want to be talking to, who out there like is doing something that lights me up or who's doing something out there that. I am sort of scratching my head about, you know, there's people who are in, oh gosh, like the finance world. And there's a lot about that that doesn't, that doesn't interest me or that I, I don't feel super jazzed about, but they might, a, a person might be taking an approach to a problem within their finance career. And I might have some curiosity about that approach, you know, like, I wonder why, why you keep approaching it that way. I wonder why that feels like the solution or why that feels like a problem, so the, the curiosity is like is a great thing because it means that I don't have to have knowledge about all the topics to be able to help all the people. I just have to I have to find a kernel that intrigues me and then I I have to be I just bring this like the spirit of innocence to the conversation where I don't have the answer. I believe the client has the answer. What I'm hearing there is a lot. Like, I feel like curiosity lends itself so nicely to holding space. Because I think, I mean, if we talk about like coaching as a skill set, which it can totally do, I think one of the really nice thing, of, thing about being, you know, a guide and a navigator and being with someone as they go on their own journey is, is being able to give them the space to explore their own stuff, right? Whatever that stuff is. Mm-hmm. And that curiosity really, I, I mean, with that word, that really is like, hey, I see you want to make this change or this shift in your life, client. 
So let's get curious. Like that feels like it's such an engaging invitation and it's really at the heart of holding the space for whatever it is that needs to be sorted and looked at and, you know, turned over for someone. I don't know if if that seems like kind of where it is for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it is great for holding space because it brings me to the conversation with this eagerness for discovery. And again, like to go back to the idea of not striving, but of seeking, if I'm in a spirit of discovery, then I'm kind of, I'm completely open, you know, palms up, open to the client and to, to the person in front of me who is stuck somewhere or who isn't really consciously stuck, who is, you know, a high performer doing a bang up job at work, but has a bigger vision, you know, and is, or doesn't even really know that there's something bigger that he or she could aspire to. And so if I bring that, that curiosity, then I am bringing my full attention without any preconceived notions, without an agenda. And, you know, the agenda is the client, the agenda is the person in front of me and whatever it is that they are experiencing and and telling me. And then hopefully, you know, I bring my, my, my whole curiosity and then that it unlocks something, you know, it unlocks something. And it's a process of like discovery for the client and for me at the same time, because we're both completely bringing complete childlike innocence to the conversation. I think it's a little bit harder for the client in that sense, because they're coming to the conversation probably with an idea of some things that are quote facts, you know, and gosh, in this, in this day and age, you have to be careful with the the fact and the the not fact, you know, but, but I mean, (laughs) of course I don't mean it. There are some things that are facts, but there's a lot that, that we believe about ourselves and that we believe about our work and that we believe about our success that we would label as facts. And they're just not like there's actually a ton of possibility when we drop the, the facts. And so that's where the curiosity for me lies is like, does it have to be done that way? And like, I wonder what other option would be more fun or, you know, these are just some examples or how do things change when you look at it like this, you know, and it's, and I don't expect, I'm not expecting any particular answer. I'm just curious about what happens when we change the lens, you know? Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful space to come to someone as a, you know, to come with as a coach is that you are open and that whatever the answer is from that person is something that then you can unpack further or be curious about in the language where you see at least in this episode. I try not to use a lot of the the coachy words just because I don't know unpack sounds so official, but <laughs> yeah, it, it means you can be present for whatever comes up and what a, what a beautiful like foundation for a relationship for a coaching client, but probably for anybody just to be the, like, let's, well, let's see what happens. Let's, let's not come with preconceived notions about what this moment might be or mean, but let's just see mm-hmm. what it is. Mm. Yeah. And it also, it's, what's funny about it is that I think the curiosity piece helps me to pick up on like the language that the person is using. And, you know, uh, we, I do believe we create our reality with the thoughts we think and the words we use when we're speaking, you know, the metaphors we decide to employ. Like, I think that there's, we create a reality for ourselves that way. And I think it can be very difficult to spot that in yourself, but when you're talking to somebody else and that person is, really curious and really listening, 
they're able to sort of like, you know, depending really like my, obviously in a coaching conversation, my aim is totally to pull those things out and to say, this is a word that you used. I don't know that you really meant that word because that word means these things. And like, do you see how you can be recreating the thing you say you don't want just by using a word that isn't accurate or that doesn't hold the, doesn't really hold the positivity that you are saying you want to feel, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really isn't as woo woo as it sounds. It's actually like, it's a frame of mind and it's actually like the energy and the thoughts that we are putting out into, into the universe when we talk about ourselves and the curiosity piece makes it so that I can kind of play like Sherlock Holmes a little bit, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and really I often put on that, <laughs> that mindset and during the coaching conversation where, where I, I take on this role of Sherlock Holmes and I'm like, my, my job is to observe everything and mm-hmm. to question everything without any agenda other than let's see what's beneath. Like, let's just, okay, now let's go another layer. Let's see what's beneath that, you know, and to, and to just get closer and closer to, to what the truth is that might have some layers concealing it a bit. Yeah. Ooh, I like that a lot. I think that is a very, a very lovely description of a foundation for a coaching practice and, and coaching, you know, done in that really lovely, you know, it's a co-created way. It's a way with a relationship with someone and it's, yeah, that's I like that. So I, I would love to talk about some of your journey over the last couple of years. <laughs> so I would love to talk about some of the change that you've gone through, but then also how that's changed your perception of what is foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So the shift sort of began when I realized that I was wanting something different than what I had. And I was, but bigger than that, I was completely open to something new, like a totally new experience. And I, I approached it a couple different ways And it took a little while for me to find the successful way to approach it. But the, one of the early ones was to, you know, apply for jobs all over the country. Uh, I was in an administrative position at a university and I was, I was kind of done with the city I was in. I was looking for something different. I realized I didn't really want to be settled there. I felt like I felt like time was going to pass me by rather quickly. And I was going to find myself like not fully experiencing life, not, not having seen the world or the country at least, you know? So I did apply for jobs all over the place that that was not the approach that was ultimately going to work for me. But the next step for me was to then get really clear on what it was I was looking for. And I worked with my own coach and thankfully got really clear on what I was looking for And it became a lot easier then to, instead of saying, I'm open to anything, to saying, like, I want to explore. I want to help people. You know, I was actually able to think about what that anything really encompassed. Because truth be told, it wasn't really, I was open to anything. You know, I mean, I did have some specific specifics. And then I, I happened to meet my now husband, and he happened to be living in an RV. (laughs) And so... A lot of that, the the big change that then unfolded was, was, I would say a lot of it was, I'd attribute it to chance, but I would also have to attribute it to, like I said, using my thoughts and my words to create my reality. 
I said that I wanted to explore. I wanted to roam. I was using those words before I met him. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, just to really put a fine point on it, I do think that we, it might not come in the form we think it's going to come in, but I really believe that we create, we create our lives. And so I met him and then the coaching career sort of emerged for me as my top contender of what I really wanted to, to do next. And yeah, and then the, the, the big changes began. You know, I, I started to plan an escape from my administrative job. And my husband and I started to to plan, you know, what it would look like to be living together on the road, how that would work exactly. And he works as a consultant for a company and he is sent on various assignments all over the country. And so that part was kind of already set up for us. Like we kind of, we already had a timeline. We knew we needed to be in such and such city, you know, by the end of September. And we needed, we had a loose idea. That being said, we only ever knew the very next project that he was going to be on. So there was a lot of practice and learning how to be very present because, you know, my, my family would want to know when I would be back on the East Coast. And I really had, had no idea when work would take us there. We began traveling in, let's see, in July 2015. We traveled, we were at points in one place for a couple months on and off. Everything that we had read told us it takes a year to sell rigs like RVs. And we, we knew we did not want to get stuck with this RV forever because they are very expensive and persnickety. And so that, there began another change. My husband listed it and we thought it would take a year and it sold in two months. And we weren't really ready in terms of putting something out into the universe and then having it manifest and, and it not being what you really wanted. It was tricky. It was, it was a tricky time because we really wanted to, to stay on in the It was our home. There was no other home base. We decided it was an opportunity to pivot. My husband kept using that word pivot and it reframed it for me because then it became yeah, this is an opportunity to pivot. This is, there's something new and different around the bend. We don't really know what it is. So yeah, we sold the RV, not before getting married. <laughs> and um, it was a, whirl, a whirlwind couple months in the beginning of 2016. Since then, we've been traveling by car to my husband's work assignments and staying with family, staying in hotels, and taking opportunities in between work assignments to explore the country too. So we spent a good portion of the fall at the national parks in Colorado and Utah. So yeah, the big changes. We've gone from the RV down to a car and we traveled by train for some time. And so we just had a backpack each. That was a very big change for me. I don't have a ton of clothes at all, but a backpack is, is pretty interesting experience or was for me. And yeah, now we're in a car. So we're back to having normal things like books and I am a big reader. And so it's nice to actually have something that resembles a base, which is our car, so that I can take along things that make me feel most at home, no matter where we are. Well, yeah. it's, it's so interesting that like part of the basis, I don't, I don't know, like how does one find a sense of home? Like you mentioned having a backpack and that being kind of it for a while. How did you find something that felt like a home or that foundational piece? What was that touchstone for you? Or is, is it still, what is that touchstone for you as you are in a really mobile situation? What does that look like? Yeah, I think like having a practice 
I write this newsletter that I send out every Monday. And having that practice of sitting down and writing, it's basically it's an email to a friend, you know, like every Monday. And I'd say that that has been foundational for sure, because it was something that I started when we were in the RV. Very early on, I started in, in our journey. So it was in August, you know, we had started traveling in in June, July, and it was in August that I started the newsletter. That has made a little bit more of a routine wherever we are. And it's also helped me to to sort of see my experience through different eyes so that even when I maybe was feeling like untethered or like we, you know, we sold the RV, we have all of our worldly possessions packed into a car and driving from Washington state to Wisconsin to then hop on a train to then travel some more. Something about having the practice of writing gave me a lens to look through my own experience and to recognize what a lucky adventure I was on. Just that that perspective shift has made it so that even in the times that feel a little more trying, because like, sure, it would be great to have a home base. It'd be great to have a place to go away from and come back to, which we will have eventually. It's helped me to get a lot clearer on how finite a time this is. And that's been a foundation somehow, you know, just recognizing where I am, being present and reporting my findings back to, you know, my my friends, the people who are reading this newsletter. It's an abstract foundation for sure. But I mean, it's uh, or not, not super concrete in the sense of, of being, you know, I'm not like lighting a candle wherever we are and hanging up <laughs> curtains, you know, and <laughs> yeah. My writing kind of does that for me. It gives me a grounded sense and it lets the people, the people I know and love, it lets them know where we are and what we're doing and how I maybe perceive something. And it's the only constant, you know, that and, you know, there is a lot of foundation just in, in my relationship. You know, you travel so closely with somebody as my husband and I have. And I was, I mean, I am a very introverted person and and prior to him, I was alone a lot of the time and I loved being alone. Mm-hmm. It was not a sad thing for me. And so finding that groove with somebody else where, you know, he and I can be together for days on end and literally like not, not apart at all. And there's like, yeah, you get to know someone really, really well and you get to know yourself really, really well. And then it becomes kind of like you become your own little mobile foundation. You're witnessing each other and reflecting back. And that's, it's kind of a beautiful thing, you know? I mean, it really is. Yeah. Well, and I imagine so much happens. I mean, mean, again, it's so interesting that there's this piece that like, there's the idea of foundation, you know, like a foundation of a building or whatever. So like solid and defined, but like, I really love that, that the foundation piece that we're talking about here is so I don't know. It's so flexible and so, and yet so constant. And I love that you've marked too, that, that you have that capability and I, and it's probably something other people can look for too in their life that there's, it's a kind of a routine, but also a connection point, which is the newsletter that you've been talking about, but like that, that connects you to other people and familiarity and, and that could be a through line, even if your life, if someone listening and their life is feeling crazy Maybe that's also a beautiful, curious invitation to go to, okay, but what could feel familiar right this moment? Like, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that you have a home. It doesn't have to be that you have, I don't know, a you know, significant other. Like, there's probably something else in your life that you could relate to that, that newsletter. What's the newsletter in your life that 
connects you through and, and could be the thing that you do again next week. Like, I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful reminder that maybe foundations don't have to be the thing that we always think that they might be. Exactly. Exactly. And I think something like a writing practice or, you know, sending a weekly letter or whatever it might be, it becomes, it becomes like a pair of glasses that you're putting on and you're seeing your experience differently because because you're not in it in that moment. You're reporting on it. You're telling somebody what you discovered and in it, it's a shift. So it's like, it's like a commitment every week to a perspective shift of like, I'm going to look at this in a different way instead of being the person experiencing it and being in it nonstop. I'm going to like, I'm going to write about it. I'm going to write about it, like report on the last week. And I'm going to give myself that opportunity to see it through different eyes and to whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be that you're realizing, you know, how crazy and wild the past week has been because you've been to X number of cities in X number of days. Like it doesn't even, it can really just be a place where you're reflecting and that can be, that can be a foundation, you know, where you return to a a mindset of reflection every week. I think that's so nice of shifting to a mindset of reflection, because it also is that immediate jump to get out of your head if you're feeling the chaos of something. Like to reflect on what has been is a nice way to get out of that spin and into either, you know, a space of gratitude or reporting or whatever you're saying the lens might be. It's really it's a lovely invitation to get curious about what's going on. And I know, I mean, I, I love too that then this ties into what had has been one of your foundational pieces with your business. As you said, you started in August, what, of 2015? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I guess. August 2015. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So you and I, yeah, we started, you started the newsletter and I started the podcast right within a couple weeks of each other. And it's really interesting Mm -hmm. that that's something that you go back to. It's actually putting a new lens for the podcast on me. Like it really was about a commitment of, Another one of our coaching friends said, well, what's possible for a year if you commit to it? And um, so I kind of love that reflection too. But it's interesting that that also became, it seems to me at least as an outside observer, as one of one of the pillars or one of the things that you decided to put forth in your business. And I love that it is a newsletter because, I mean, and I may cut some of this out, but like it... Sometimes an email newsletter just seems like something that isn't as exciting to some people. But I don't know, do you want to talk a little bit more about was it a decision that you made as a business growth piece or was it really something else that drove you to start with a newsletter? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I saw it as a creative outlet. I saw it as it took the pressure off somehow approaching a blog or blogging there was a block there for me and I don't, I didn't know what it was. I see now a little bit more about what was going on there. And I think that it had a lot to do with my own sort of inner critic that was sitting on my shoulder when I would try to quote blog, you know, and somehow that critic wasn't there when I wrote, when I write emails to friends, you know, I mean, some of my most favorite writing of my own is in emails that I write to my loved ones. You know, I'm, 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 I'm perfectly candid. I'm excited. If I'm excited, you know, I like, I I just like let it all kind of, I let it all out. And I'm also 
yeah, I'm the most me, I guess. I'm unfiltered. I'm, I'm the most me. And while that might not be everyone's cup of tea and it might not be a good business move for everybody, for me, I knew that it was something I could commit to because it felt fun and it felt exciting. And I also, I didn't have the same critical, self-critical attitude when I would sit down to write it. It felt, it felt a lot more like the seeking rather than the striving piece. You know, it felt a lot, a lot more like there was, there wasn't a right answer to these newsletters. If I just treated it as an email to a friend, then it just opened things up for me. It became more, again, more of an experiment. Yeah. And like the word newsletter is not exactly like sexy and exciting, you know? Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I, I call it that because I can't, there's not a better word to describe what it is. I mean, I use, you know, a internet mail service and like, it's, it's totally a newsletter, but in my mind, it's a letter to a friend. And whenever I start to stress about it, I try to go back to that. Like if I don't have anything to write about, I try to be transparent about that because, you know, with a friend, it's, it's pretty easy to be transparent. And it it helps me to not feel like I have to put on a marketing hat and be something or play some role that doesn't fit, that doesn't fit me, you know, like, like as though it's a piece of clothing that is ill-fitting, you know, I I just, um, I have a tough time playing a role when that role is not already something that's inside of me, Mm -hmm. um, Yes. Like I love, I mean, like I'm just nodding my head furiously as you say almost all the things <laughs> about this newsletter, because one, I mean, I'm, I'm on your list and I love getting them because it does feel like you're just talking to me, which is so it seems special and lovely. And I know I often hit reply and write back to you. So um, <laughs> that's really kind of like the connection piece is really exciting, but I mean, especially yeah. around the, it feeling like you're more you and like, it's not a com- it's something you could commit to and that felt fun and exciting. I mean, that's how the podcast was for me as well. And it almost felt like when I clicked in with what that thing was, because the conversation I think is what's really exciting to me and connecting with people in this way. And, and I love that you just said that like, it doesn't feel like you're putting on a marketing hat because for me, the podcast is, it isn't really marketing. It's just me having fun. So but then I'm really excited to share it with people. So then the marketing ick just is gone. So I just, oh, I want to get out the highlighter and like underscore that for anyone that's listening and is starting up something. Like go with the thing that your heart's like, oh, that feels right. Like don't go to the thing where, you know, you feel like you have to start up a Pinterest, you know, thing because you have yep. to. I mean, if you don't like Pinterest, don't do Pinterest. Like if you like to write, and you, the newsletter sounds awesome, do that. Because that, I mean, yeah, I get clearly lit up about the podcast and I think it's so cool to hear something that someone else gets so lit up about as well. So, Mm. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I have to echo that, that like that gravitating toward the thing that is fun is going to be the sustainable thing, you know, like it's going to be the thing that you're going to want to return to week after week. And it's going to be the outlet where you're, you are your, your most brilliant self, you know, and like that's what people who study marketing try to, they try to recreate that. But like, I just think it's, it's like, that's your way in to being your your most transparent and true self. And that's the thing that people want when they are seeking you out for whatever kind of business you're providing. If you are, if, you know, I mean, if you're somebody who's just doing it for fun, like 
more power to you. But if you're, if you are running a business or you're an entrepreneur or whatever, yeah, like people want to know who they're, who they're buying from or who they're coaching with or who, you know, whatever, whatever the, yeah, whatever the, the case may be. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful rem- reminder too, is that these, that whoever a client may be is somebody that you're, there is, you know, a relationship that you're building there. And so the communication between two people is also key because it gives them a sense of who you are as a coach or who you are as a consultant or whatever it is your business and your line of business is that it gives you in, them an insight and a comfort and a familiarity with who you are and what you love. And that's, yeah, that's going to be a connection point that will keep keep fueling things too. So, yes. Absolutely. I love it. Well, where can someone either sign up for your newsletter, find more out about what you're doing and, and get in contact with you? They can find me at uh, weeklyfindings.com, which is the name of, of my newsletter because I write it every week and I report, I report what I've found and discovered along the way. Awesome. And is there anything else that you're working on like coming up that you wanted to promote or put out there? Oh, gosh. Well, I am always looking to have conversations with people who are kind of in hot pursuit of some big dream, some big thing. So it isn't that it's a project so much as it's where I get a lot of enjoyment and where I like to be of service. So I I really do enjoy helping people who are kind of going after something and either need some help or kind of want to see what else is possible, what's what's maybe beyond that big thing that they that they hadn't considered. Awesome. <laughs> and I will link up to your site and all of that in the show notes. And then let's jump into the last two questions unless there's anything else that you want to share. Sure. Yeah, let's go with those questions. <laughs> okay. So Alex, I feel like I'm talking to Alex Trevet. I know. I'll take, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what does balance look like for you in your life or how do you find harmony in your day to day? A lot of it to me is a trial, a trial and error thing. The harmony part for me means that I have to keep a few things in balance. And I've figured out that one is creating something every day. And another is connecting with someone every day. And then a, a final piece is moving my body or using my body in some way every day. And so I, I, and if I don't balance those three on a daily basis, I feel it. I really feel it. If I, if I'm so focused on creating and I lose sight of the fact that like, I, I really need to be outside moving for, you know, even a, a 15 minute walk. Like I just need to be, I need to feel my blood in my body, you know, <laughs> If I lose sight of that, it's, it's a day that feels a bit off balance. And then last, and of course, most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, that's a fun question. <laughs> um, I can think of a lot. Um, so I'm trying to like narrow them down into, into three. I think that to kind of go along for, for me with the sort of being in harmony piece, I would say that to connect with somebody, to really listen to somebody, to offer some service to somebody that you might not really realize is a service, like listening, it can actually be kind of your unfair advantage if you happen to be someone who is a good listener. Like not everybody is, you know, and not everybody feels heard. I have found a lot of joy in simply hearing what somebody 
needs to speak, you know, the thing that they need to say out loud and receiving it and being a safe place to receive it. That brings me a lot of joy because I think that people remember that. They remember it's a, a bit of a legacy builder. People remember they remember when you listen to them and yeah. you don't have to have the answer or even any answer. But if you listen and you listen wholeheartedly, I think it affects a lot of change. I really do on an, on an individual basis and maybe it's micro, but I don't think it has to be macro all the time. That's one piece. And then I would say another way to to jumpstart your joy would be to to play like, oh, my gosh, just to like to observe a kid and to see how a kid plays and to like connect yourself with some of that because it's it's pretty great. It's really it's, it's a little hard to, to tune back into it. But then once you're in the headspace of play, I mean, I don't have children yet and I know that, that you have a son. And so I would imagine that once you're in the headspace of play, like you're a kid again, you know, if you can get yourself into that headspace. Um, oh, yeah. play with things that, that you would normally not play with. Like, like I want to learn how to skateboard. That's been a, that was a goal for 2016 that didn't actually happen, but, <laughs> but it is now 2017's goal is that I will skateboard by the end of 2017. And I am afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid because, you know, I think it's a lot easier to fall down when you're a kid and when you're an adult, it's, it's a little harder to fall down and get up. But there's a lot of joy there in doing in doing things that kids do and and just like just playing. There's no objective there. It's just play. Yeah. Say that a third way would be like going the natural route of endorphins and like moving your body in some way. Dancing alone, that's fine. I do it all the time and it's a quick boost of endorphins. <laughs> hopping, you know, hopping on a treadmill and just like sprinting and it's not again without a goal of improving your time or working on like your endurance or whatever it's just just to just to get your body moving because bodies want to be moving and yeah I often feel euphoric after I've been either on a really vigorous hike or after I've you know tried running a mile it's just for fun as fast as I can there's a lot of a lot of joy there and it's more of a chemical joy maybe but it's a great way to to jumpstart the joy, you know? Ooh, I love it. Thank you so much, Helen. This has been such a treat to get to spend time with you today. Likewise, Paula. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Helen, so much for being on the show. I love your curiosity and dedication to being the lead scientist in your own experiment, and I am so grateful for our connection. If you want to learn more about Helen, you can find her at weeklyfindings.com. Or you can find the links to her website on, on, over on my site and in the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 74. You can sign up for her newsletter on, on her site. And you can also find her on Instagram at Wondering Helen, where she posts some of just the most delightful pictures about her travels. As always, the show notes are over at the site at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 74. When you're over there, you can also sign up for that Joy Plus You mini e-course, which has lots of fun freebies, and it helps you walk through how to rediscover more joy in your life. Plus, you can check out all of those past episodes, all 73 of them, in the archives. Next week, I'm so excited to have Alexis Duncan join me on the show. She has a background in religious studies, which is just like me. We both studied at UC Santa Barbara, at different times and we talk in this next episode about the big three religions which are christianity judaism and islam 
And we call them that because they all come from the same base root of basically what Christianity would call the Old Testament. They're very closely related. And we talk about how it is love that is at the foundation of all three of these different religions. It's such a great topic and so very timely. And I hope that you will come back and listen as we round out Foundations Month next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.